Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. We're chatting to Gabs and Fee this morning and they, they send big, big love. <clears throat> they are... They are such jet setters, eh? They are such jet setters. And uh, a really good, really good old friend of Gabriel's got married this weekend. So we saw them at the call for a day or so. Uh, Gabriel led worship on Thursday night. He did so well, uh, as we expect from our resident redhead. Um, and then they flew off on, um, on Friday morning to, to go to his mate's wedding. Uh, so they just, I spoke to them this morning and they sent big love. Missing you guys. And they'll be back very, very soon. But I was saying to Gabs this morning, I, uh, I don't need an excuse to come and see you guys. Um, first of all, because obviously I get to see Duran in his hair and beanie, and uh, that's always just a blessing. It's a real blessing to me. Uh, but I just, uh, I love you guys. Um, I really do. I think uh, this congregation is incredible. I really do. And don't, don't tell the table of you guys. I just, <clears throat> you, you guys are the best, okay? We're not recording yet, eh? Oh, yeah. We are not just going to yeah, cut that out, just in case a table viewer uh, gets to listen. Um, you guys are you guys are doing so well, yeah. And and uh, there's a table viewer sitting, yeah. Uh, <coughs> I won't tell everyone that they they they, they stepped late this morning. That's why they yeah. Um, but that's cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I just. Uh, I just get so excited. I remember when we were speaking about, we were, as an eldership, we were talking about, you know, is God is God talking to us? Are we, are we planting this church? And then I look at this and I go, wow. How could we even have had a fraction of doubt? Uh, because God is amazing uh, and He's moving and there's so much more to come. So uh, I'm excited. So it's good to be here. Um, I'm going to be preaching this morning. Uh, from the book of Galatians. Uh, some of you are really surprised about that, aren't you? Um, so I'm going to be preaching a, 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 a verse. Uh, and for the table viewers uh, that maybe heard me preach a few weeks ago, sorry for you, you're going to be taking the same notes that you heard a few weeks ago, but that's just uh, your fault for waking up late. Um, so if you've got your Bibles, turn, turn to chapter 5 of Galatians, and I'm pretty sure right now your Bible just it falls open to, to, uh, to Galatians, um, which is good. I remember uh, when we started the series of Galatians, man, it's one of those books I, I struggled to find in the New Testament. I'm constantly, <laughs> but now it's just kind of falling open there, which is great uh, and helpful. Uh, so for those of you, maybe you're new to life the church uh, and you feel like uh, people are looking at you because you can't, don't stress. Okay, even those who have been doing this for a long time, we still struggle to find some books in the Bible. So really do not stress about that. Keep looking until you find it. It'll be worth it, I promise you. So I'm going to read a piece of scripture. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to 24. Now the title of my, of my preach this morning, uh, it sounds heavy. I'm not going to lie. So the war within, flesh versus spirit. Oh, it sounds so heavy, but I promise you it's not. Uh, I promise you, it's very, very encouraging. Uh, this preach encouraged me. Yeah, uh, when I when I prepared this, I like I, I was finished, and I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord, you've spoken to me. Uh, so I trust you're going to be encouraged this morning. Um, so let's read a little bit together. Uh, I do have. Uh, it's a bit blurry, hey? So you got to got to speak to Brett so that that's not so blurry in in the future. Um, hey, is it not blurry? Come on. Hey? 
Don't say that to me. Don't say that to me. All right, cool. So this particular um, piece of scripture is from the ESV version uh, because uh, they say once you've now preached at least five times, you have to preach from the ESV because that's like, it's like, the, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I just really love this text in the ESV. Uh, if you've got your Bible and your version, that's okay. Uh, you can read that as we go along. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. It's a very important verse, that. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. I'm not reading through all of those. You're welcome to go through all of those at home. Um, I'm going to carry on where he says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is, this is the crux. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Another very important verse. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is an incredibly important text and actually probably quite a well-known text. Even if you haven't even been in church that long, you've probably heard this text about the flesh and the spirit, and it sounds a little bit daunting. I know when I first got saved and I, I encountered this, this text, uh, I, I kind of thought, well, this is obviously, this is the kind of verse that those fire and brimstone preachers preach from. It's just like, you know, do not gratify, the, it's like really heavy, yeah? Um, and, and it is a serious piece of text. But I'm going to ask you, if you're still where you are, I want you just to reverse slightly a couple of verses to just before this, to verse 13 of chapter 5. And then we're going to come back to that, that scripture. And it says this, Paul says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now that line, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I hate to tell you this, it's a command. Because uh, Paul doesn't write, he says, you shall love your neighbor. He doesn't say, if you feel like it, you may love your neighbor. If you wake up and you're in a good mood and you've had a good sleep and you're not too tired and grumpy, like some of us when we don't get a lot of sleep, <clears throat> I'm not talking about myself, um, then you can try. He is quite implicit. He says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So you see, in our freedom, we are called to desire and seek the happiness. I'm going to say, I'm going to use the word happiness. I know in church circles, I don't like to use the word happiness. We've got to use words like joy. And No, no, let's use happiness. You are being asked that in your freedom, you desire the happiness and you seek happiness for others as you do yourself. When I read that, sometimes I actually find that command very, very difficult to manage and to handle. Because you know what? It's actually completely contrary to my natural inclination. I naturally do not desire and seek the happiness of everybody else before mine. It's easy with some people, I'll be honest, yeah, so this guy over here, it's easy for me to love this guy because we have very similar interests. He's very good looking, so it's obviously it's easy. 
but uh, we run together, and it's easy. I mean, it's like, you know, it's easy. But we're not all the same. We're mostly very, very different. And for me, to desire and seek the happiness for everybody is difficult. Even those that I'm very close to, even those that I love dearly, I sometimes struggle with. It's, it goes against my very, very nature as a human being. For some of you, it might be easier. I actually think sometimes it's beyond my power. And if this is the Christian life, that I am to seek your happiness and to love my neighbor as I love myself, then sometimes I think I'm in a little bit of trouble. It's really, really hard. And actually, if we stop there, if the, if the scripture stopped there, I would find it extremely discouraging. Because I would know, I would know in my heart of hearts that I can't do it. In my power, I cannot do it. Sometimes I can, but mostly I can't. And I would be completely and utterly discouraged. Sometimes the Christian life just looks too hard if that is the crux. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. I'm like, whoa, this is tough. This is very, very tough. But here's the crux. We're not called, because it is a calling, we're not called to live this Christian life on our own. And I'm not talking about community and church. We are called to that too. I'm talking about the Spirit of God. We are called to do this life, to walk our Christian life out by the Spirit or in the Spirit. That is how we get to do the things that we are commanded to do. So you see, the challenge is when Paul says, you shall love your neighbor, and he gives us this command, the beautiful thing is it's not a legalistic burden. You know, I've not got this thing weighing on you. For some of us, it feels like a weight. Oh, I've got to love my neighbor. It's very hard. Because you know what? When I begin to walk by the Spirit, it's something that happens freely. It doesn't happen out of myself. It happens out of God. You see, when I begin, when I have to, when I've got to love you, and it comes from me, and it comes from what I've got to give, then it's completely empty. All I'm trying to do then is actually just fulfill something in myself. Yeah, I've got an emptiness that needs filling. I'm going I'm to love Brett to try and fill this space here. Instead of walking by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit of God, and then I get to love Him out of fullness, complete fullness that doesn't come from me, but comes from God. Then this command that you shall love your neighbor as yourself becomes easy. Wow. Then I start looking at this Christian life and I go, yes, Lord, I can do this. I can do this when I walk by the Spirit. So now we get back to the crux, to the crucial text of this morning. So we read that piece. On its own, it looks discouraging, but then we get, we get told, but we begin to walk by the Spirit, and this all begins to change. But how? So I remember being a, a new Christian uh, and, and hearing about walking in the Spirit or by the Spirit, and, and these things, they mean the same. And I remember thinking, okay, how do I do that? What does it mean? Why? You know, why, why? Why do I have to do this? And I want to encourage you this morning that God wants you to ask questions. Sometimes we're too afraid to ask God questions. We need to ask Him. Yeah? Don't be, he's not afraid of your questions. And He has answers. 
I promise you, He has answers. Sometimes they're not the answers we want to hear. Sometimes they take longer to get to us than we want. But He has answers. So do not be afraid to ask Him questions. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to ask Him three questions. This walking by the Spirit, what is it? What does it mean? What does it mean to walk in the Spirit or by the Spirit? Oh, right, fantastic. Why? Why is it so crucial? Why do I need to do this, Lord? Why do I need to walk by the Spirit? And then the third one, which is for me, something that uh, I always wanted to know as an early Christian, as a young Christian, how? How? And for some of you, maybe this morning you're going to skip the, the what and the why, and you're going to wait for the how piece. That's okay. Yeah? I trust that you're going to be encouraged. So let's start with what? So Paul gives us, and this might be a little bit teachy, and I hope that that's okay. Um, yeah, uh, Some of you are taking notes, which is fantastic. Um, so it's a little bit teachy, but that's cool, because sometimes we need to learn some of these things. So what is this walking by the Spirit? In the text, Paul gives us two clues, in verse 18 and in verse 22. And in verse 18, he says this. He says, but if you are led by the Spirit but if you are led by the Spirit. So it's very important to note here, Paul does not say, but if you follow the Spirit. Because essentially they mean the same thing. Someone's leading and someone is following. But he says, if you are led by the Spirit, because the focus is not on us. If it said, but if you follow the Spirit, the focus would be on us. Yeah? The emphasis would be on us doing the following. He doesn't write that. He says, if you are led by the Spirit. The focus is on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is doing the leading. The Holy Spirit is doing the work. I've got a, I've got a couple of pictures. One's the wrong picture and one's the right picture. And when I did prepare this, um, this, this preach at the time a few weeks ago, I had just finished watching hours of the Tour de France. Now, for some of you, you're going to go, wow, that's fantastic because you love cycling. And some of you go, what a waste of time. How is this guy? Like cycling. So I love, I don't cycle, uh, but I absolutely love it. And I love the Tour de France. So, so I'm pretty sure there's some cyclists in the room. Uh, and for most of you, you've seen some of the cycling. Yeah, you've seen these crazy guys on bicycles just riding thousands of kilometers. And every now and then, they're all riding really fast to kind of finish and win a stage. Cool. So in some of those stages, on one of the, the, uh, within the race, <clears throat> Uh, they'll call it a sprint stage, which is crazy because they've just ridden 200 kilometers and then they wait for the last 100 meters and they ride really fast to see who wins. It, is, it sounds a bit counterintuitive. What happens though is in some of the teams where they've got a really strong sprinter, they'll have a team around them that'll lead him out. Yeah, So they get to the last kilometer or so before the finish line and his team, he'll get to the back of that and his team will basically get him into a position and in the last 100 meters or so, he will give it everything. He'll give it everything he's got for those massive thighs and he will kind of sprint uh, and, and try to win the stage. They are leading him to a position where he gets to then possibly win the stage. The challenge is though, he's still doing a whole lot of work. In fact, he does more work because they kind of peel off and he now has to go and win. So that's the wrong image. They're these guys, they're his teammates, they're leading him out, but he's still doing all the work. Yeah? So that's, a, that's the image this morning that we don't want to have the image we want to have this morning is of a train, a locomotive and a carriage. The locomotive is the engine. It has all the power. It does all the pulling. All the carriage does is hook on. 
The carriage itself has no power. It can do nothing on its own. It needs the locomotive to pull it. That is the image that we are going to build this morning in terms of being led by the Spirit. We have no power on ourselves. In order for us to go anywhere and be led by the Spirit, we need to be connected to the divine source. We need to be connected to the divine power, and then we get led by the Spirit. So that is the first clue that Paul gives us. Be led by the Spirit. It's not in your power. It's not your work. It is all Him. That's the first clue in terms of walking by the Spirit. The second clue is found in verse 22. And Paul says this. He says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, etc. Again, the emphasis there is on the Spirit. Because it says the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't say that if you are led by the Spirit, you will produce fruit. No, it says that the Spirit will produce fruit in you. It is not your power. It's not your doing. So if I get to a point where, and, 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 I'm, and I'm walking this life and, and, I, can, I, and I'm, I can love Duran. I can love him because out of... Not that easy. It's not that easy, man. It's, not, it's easy for you. It's, yeah, it's easy for you. I can't claim that. It's not me. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's, 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 I'm being led by the Spirit, and He's producing this fruit in me. We simply need to be connected to the source. So in both of these clues, in terms of walking by the Spirit, we are commanded to do something. We're not commanded to do the leading. We're not commanded to bear the fruit. We are commanded, we need to do something. What is that? We need to make a choice to be connected. Yeah? And it is a daily choice. I need to daily wake up and choose to be connected to the divine power so that I may be led by the Spirit, which allows me to walk in or by the Spirit. So our wills are deeply involved. He does all the work, but I need to choose it. We got it? Fantastic. So that is point one. What is this walking by the Spirit? It's allowing the Spirit to lead me. I'm connected and I allow Him to produce fruit in me. Point number two, why? So I've got the what. I'm starting to work it out. I need to make a choice. I stay connected to God. But why? Why is it so crucial that I do this? Surely we, we can kind of get by on our own. The text gives us two reasons why. The first is found in verse 16. Paul says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This is one of those real hard-hitting pieces of Scripture. This is a promise. See, he says there, walk by the Spirit, and you will not. He doesn't say, walk by the Spirit, and you might get lucky. Maybe, 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 maybe you'll get through. No, no, he says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It is a promise that God gives us. It's a categoric not. I think it's important, though, for us to just define what we mean by the flesh. In In the Bible, and particularly in Paul's writing, he actually refers to both. He refers to the flesh as being this physical body that we've got. Yeah? But inherently, the physical body that we have is not evil. Yeah? It is a mechanism by which we do things. Yeah? So the flesh, as in the bodily flesh, is, is inherently not evil in itself. 
And in this case here, Paul is not talking about the body. He's talking about something completely different. And uh, I'm going to read this. I think we should have the slides in terms of um, in this definition. I, I found this. this is, uh, John Piper uh, defined the flesh as the following. The flesh is the ego which feels an emptiness and uses the resources in its own power to trifle it. Flesh is the I who tries to satisfy me with anything but God's mercy. The flesh is the ego which feels an emptiness but loathes the idea of satisfying it by faith. That is by depending on the mercy of God in Christ. Instead, the flesh prefers to use the legalistic or licentious resources in its own power to fill its emptiness. I think that is an incredible definition. Because I read that and I go, whoa. There definitely was a lot of me in the past. That was exactly me. And every now and then that guy wants to rise up. So it's no surprise, therefore, that in verse 17, Paul tells us that there's actually a war going on inside. And hence the title of today's message. There is a war going on in each one of us. Flesh versus spirit. If you're sitting there right now and you're going, oh, there, there is definitely a war going inside of me. You need to rejoice. Yeah? Because if you're sitting going, whoa, I've got this war going on inside of me, I don't know if I'm a Christian now. Yeah? Because I've kind of I've got these desires and, and I'm at war with them. That's a good place to be. I'm going to encourage you this morning and say, you are in a good place. There is a worse place to be. And that's no war. Because if there's no war going on inside of you, you're at peace with your fleshly desires. That's a terrible place to be. I want to encourage you this morning that if there is a war going on, it is good. It is a good thing. So a Christian is not someone who does not have bad desires. A Christian is someone who does not allow those desires to mature. Yeah? A Christian is, is someone who is at war with those desires by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is incredible. So a sign of whether you are indwelt by the Spirit is not whether that you have no bad desires because we are human and we have them. A sign that I'm indwelt by the Spirit is that I'm at war with those very desires. But you see, the war is not the focal point. Because the scripture says that the Spirit has victory. The, the focus is on the victory of the Spirit, not the war. Yeah? So you can rest assured that the Spirit has victory. Verse 16 says this, When you walk by the Spirit, you will not let those bad desires come to maturity. It says you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It states it in black and white, victory belongs to the Spirit. Those man-centered desires, that definition of the flesh, begins to be crowded out. Yeah, God-centered desires begin to take over and move those out every single day. Yeah? And we become more like Him. Victory belongs to the Spirit. And that is exciting. That is exciting. And in verse 24, 
it tells us that the flesh has been crucified. So if you're sitting out today and you go, whoa, I've got these desires, I'm at war with them, it's a good place to be. The Spirit has victory. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I need that. The second reason why it's so crucial to live by the Spirit is found in verse 18. And this, in terms of what we've been preaching through the series of Galatians, is very, very important. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. That's what it says in verse 18. be honest with you, I don't want to be under the law. I've got two choices. I either need to choose to be under the law, or I need to choose to be led by the Spirit. I will take the former Thank you very much. But you know what? This is, this is important. Just because we are not under the law does not mean that we don't have to fulfill the law. And that may sound a little complicated or counterintuitive. So hopefully I get to explain it properly. So verse 13 and 14 said this. Through love be servants of one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So starting to come together, it's kind of like a puzzle piece uh, for me. And I, I'll be honest, I hate puzzles. I never enjoyed them. So I kind of enjoy the fact that God does this for me. He, he kind of puts these together because uh, on my own, yeah, I just, I'm one of those, I'll make it fit. <laughs> when we are led by the Spirit, we are not under the oppression of the law because what the law requires, the Spirit produces. The law requires that I fulfill it, that I love my neighbor. The very thing that the, that the scripture says the law produces, the first thing it says is love. Yeah? What the law requires, the Spirit produces. Love. The all-encompassing fruit of the Spirit. Love. That very thing that I can't do out of myself, the Spirit produces in me. I read this and I go, Whew. I just breathe a massive, beautiful sigh of relief and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to be led by the Spirit because I want to fulfill the law. I do not want to be under it, and you will do all the work. <laughs> I think I'm sounding quite lazy. For me, that's case closed. Case closed. I want to be led by the Spirit. So, to recap, why? Why is it so crucial to be led by the Spirit? Because I do not want to gratify the desire of the flesh. Yeah? I want the Spirit to have His victory in me over those desires of the flesh. If I walk by the Spirit, He does that. Secondly, I want to fulfill the law. I want to love my neighbor as myself. I can't do it my own. When I walk by the Spirit, He does it for me. Fantastic. So we've covered what, and we've covered why. Now we get to the how. One or two of you may move forward in your seat, because I know when I was a young Christian, I did. Try to, I try to figure, how, Lord? How, how do I do this? And I think as human beings, we overcomplicate things. We make things so complex. I, I've kind of got to get into a different space to walk by the Spirit. Yeah? We make it something that it is not. And maybe you'll be disappointed to hear this morning, but actually to walk by the Spirit is a very simple thing. Once again, it will require a decision. It requires your will. You have, to, you have to want it. You have to do it. But the million dollar question of how do we walk by the Spirit is simply answered like this. 
You walk by the Spirit when your heart is resting in the promises of God. I want to say it again. You walk by the Spirit when your heart is resting in the promises of God. You walk by the Spirit when you put your trust in the one who sent the Spirit. You put your trust in Jesus. When we read the Word of God, Jesus says, I will send you the Spirit. So when I put my trust in Jesus, it means I begin to walk by the Spirit. The Spirit reigns over the flesh in your life when you live by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you and now is working everything together for your good. Faith is a critical ingredient. I'm going to give you two pieces of evidence for this. So you're sitting there going, really? Is that all I need to do? In order to walk by the Spirit, I just need to rest in the promises of God. I say yes, and let me give you two pieces of evidence. In Galatians 5 verse 6, says this, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. See, genuine love always produces, uh, genuine faith always produces love. Here's the puzzle piece again. Because faith pushes out guilt, and it pushes out fear, and it pushes out greed, and gives you the appetite to enjoy God's power. See, God has power in store for you in your life and everything that you need to go through, but you need to have the appetite for it. You need to make space for it, and we do that by having faith. You know, so when we're riddled with guilt, when we're riddled with fear, we just have no appetite for God's power. God wants to move. We need to allow him to. How do I do that? I rest in his promise with faith, and it starts to push out the things that prevent me from enjoying the power of God. Galatians 5.22, as we read, says love is the fruit of the Spirit. So if love is what faith necessarily produces, and love is the fruit of the Spirit, then a way to walk by the Spirit is to have faith. Other puzzle pieces coming together? I need to have faith to walk by the Spirit. A happy resting in the promises of God is a pipeline to the Spirit. I'm going to give you a couple of examples in a minute of my own life of promises in God. And, and I thought Brett was going to steal my thunder earlier when we were praying for the kids because he started talking about promises. But I want to tell you this morning that each one of us, we literally have a book full of, the God, of God's promises. From beginning to end, Promises. Over your life, over your life, over your life, over your life, promises. But you have to own those promises. They have to be yours. It's no good you listening to what those scriptures meant to me. They need to mean something to you. You need to meditate on them. You need to trust in them. You need to have faith in them. I love that word rest. We need to rest in them. Another word for that is abide, which is a beautiful biblical word, abide in his promises. The second piece of evidence is this, in Galatians 3, 5, says, Does he who supplies the Spirit to you 
and works miracles among you, do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith. The the Spirit does a mighty work in us and through us only by the hearing of faith. We are sanctified by faith alone. This weekend, I'm getting to listen to some amazing preachers up in, in Pretoria. This uh, one man who leads a church in Doha and Qatar um, just shared incredible stories of people coming to Christ. And you sit there and you don't want him to stop. You don't want to stop hearing these incredible, incredible stories of people facing ridiculous adversity, coming to Jesus, turning to Jesus. Showed us a picture of these men being baptized in a river. The one guy who got baptized uh, was fighting in the Syrian army. He escaped. He said he could not handle the killing anymore. The other guy was the opposition. They had been fighting each other. They both escaped because they couldn't handle this anymore. They both end up in the same place in Qatar. In fact, these guys had ended up in Greece. I lied. They were in Greece. They both end up in the same place. They both find Jesus. They both get baptized at the same time. They're both working in the church in Greece. I'm like, oh, oh. Showed us another picture of this lady who was a princess in Iraq, um, Saddam Hussein's cousin. Cousin. Who had fled because they were going to kill her. ISIS actually, I think they gave her an ultimatum and said, you get out or, re- or, you, or you die. Come to Jesus. Yeah? Get baptized. She had a family there. She had a daughter. Come to Jesus. I'm like, yo. <laughs> That's just incredible. See, we start hearing these stories of faith and we are encouraged. Yeah? And it begins to produce something in us. The way we walk by the Spirit and not, and so not fulfill the desires of our flesh is to hear, to hear the delectable, I'm going to use that word, I love that word, delectable promises of God and to trust in them and to delight in them and to rest in them. These promises in here are not just so that some guys can come up with some preachers on a Sunday morning. It's the last thing that they're there for. The promises that exist in here are for you. Are for you. I'm going to give you some examples of some promises that I needed to rest on in order to know my identity in Christ. In order for me to begin to walk by the Spirit and begin to crowd out those man-centered desires, those fleshly desires. And then we're going to be done and we're going to go have coffee and a, and a laugh. So here's, here's a couple of examples. So Psalm 16 verse 11 says this. It says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I, um, when I came to know Jesus... I'd spent the large part of my life pursuing pleasures, fleshly pleasures that were basically killing me. I then came to Jesus and I needed to know because some of those desires were still there 
In fact, some of the desires still want to raise their ugly heads every now and then. And I need to fight them. But I can't do it on my own. So what happens, I go to the Word of God and He promises me that at His right hand are pleasures forevermore. Yeah? That I can look to Him, not to my fleshly desires. That fills me with incredible hope. Incredible hope. I need to know that in His presence is fullness of joy. I need to know when I spend time with Him, I have everything that I need. Everything. So I would take that scripture and I would rest in that promise of God. And as I began to rest in it, as I began to trust it, I realized I began to walk by the Spirit. A second one that I, I needed to press into as a young Christian, and now, he brought me into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. I had to remind myself that he rescued me because he delighted on me, in me. Not because he felt sorry for me. Not because he just had to do it. But because he delighted in me. No matter where I'd been, no matter what I'd done, no matter what I had thought, he delighted in me. And I would rest in that and I would, I would dwell in that place. See, when we begin to satisfy the desires of the flesh, it becomes a very narrow place. It becomes a very, very restrictive place. And all you want to do is break out of that thing. And then he has this promise. There's this promise saying, you brought me into a spacious place where I can breathe, where I can rest in your promise. I want to encourage you guys to find promises in his word that are just for you. And there may be promises that you need just at this time. The third one was this, and you know what, I, um, this scripture, uh, I'll tell you the story now, I want to read it quickly. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. And so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This scripture I, I came across actually just before I, I got saved. And it, I came across the scripture. I'd, um, God began to speak to me uh, probably about a week before I, I gave my life. Uh, my wife was busy doing a course and she did go to life group in the evening. So what I'd do is, while she was out, I didn't want her to know. So I'd then, uh, I then, she, she had like a little devotional book and I'd start reading this thing at night while she was out. I just didn't want her to know that I was considering saying yes to Jesus. And I would read this thing and I came across this scripture and a couple of weeks before that, um, on the Friday night, we had been to, um, back in those days, it was called RCK. Um, and it was a kid's thing they used to have on a Friday night at Life Changes Church in Tableview. And I remember sitting in the room with a bunch of guys, and one of them just happened to be this, this incredible man with this beautiful beard. And at that moment in life, I had no friends left. I had none. And I came across the scripture about a slave having no place. And I cried out to God that I wanted to belong. I wanted family and I wanted friends. And here I was sitting with these guys who did not know me, and they treated me like a friend. They treated me like someone who belonged in a family, and that broke me. 
broke my hard heart and began to speak to me. And so I began to rest in this promise that actually, God, I belong. That I have a place in a family because your son has set me free. And if you set me free, I am free. I want to encourage you to find the promises that he is speaking in and over your life. Because you're sitting there right now and you have challenges. I know you do. Because if you didn't, you wouldn't be human. You have challenges. I'm going to read one more. It's not up on the, not up on the screen. We need the Spirit of God in our lives. We need access to the power of God. We need to walk in the Spirit and by the Spirit. And how do I do that? I begin to rest in the promises of God. I want to read this last scripture for you and then we're going to pray. In fact, you know what? I'm going to ask you to stand. I don't know where you are at the moment. I don't know what challenges you have. Maybe they're financial. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's relational. No matter what your challenge, Jesus has been there. He has been there. He knows. Whatever you're going through right now, He's looking at you going, I know. I know how that feels. Maybe you're sitting here, maybe you are so riddled with temptation and lust. Jesus is looking at you, I know how that feels. He didn't give in to it, but He was tempted. He knows what you're going through. There are promises for you in the Word of God. I'm going to read this out of Lamentations of all places. The author says this. He says, The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. He then says this, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. I want to pray this over us this morning. He says, when I remember the faithful love of the Lord never ends. That's a promise. It's a promise to you this morning. His faithful love never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Maybe you're here this morning. I don't know. You did something last night. You thought things last night. And you're sitting here this morning. You go, oh my word. You're riddled with guilt. He's telling you this morning, fresh mercy. Right now, where you stand, fresh mercy. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. Thank you, Lord, for your promises. Thank you, Lord, that over every single person here this morning are your delectable promises. I pray, Lord God, will you give every single person here this morning a desire 
for your word because I need to desire your word and find the promises that you have for me. I pray, Lord, that that would burn inside of us, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that we'd have a desire to walk by your spirit, to walk in your spirit, Lord God, and create an appetite for the power of God to move in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to encourage you this morning. <laughs> Love the kids. I want to encourage you this morning. Sometimes we overcomplicate this stuff. Sometimes we make Christianity something that it is not. <laughs> He's calling us back to simple, relational Christianity. He's given us His Word. We need to access it. There is such power in His promises. Wherever you're at this morning, I, just, I trust it, that there is a fresh desire in you at the moment, where you stand right now, to walk by the Spirit of God. Sometimes we wonder why we encounter people that just seem to hear from the Spirit. Yeah? They, just, they just seem open. They just, the Spirit says something and they, and, and they move. Yeah? And we go, oh. Why? Why, why not me? I also want to hear from the Spirit of God. Well, they've, they've just postured, they've put themselves in a position to hear from the Spirit. How did they do that? They began to trust in the one who sent the Spirit and they begin to trust in His promises. When you begin to live those promises, you begin to walk by His Spirit and you will begin to hear from Him. I guarantee it. He guarantees it, more importantly. It's not some kind of weird thing that we have to try access in a different dimension. None of that stuff. It's really simple. Trust in His promises that He has for you. Can I ask this? Can we all say, Amen? Amen. <laughs> I trust you're encouraged this morning. I know I'm encouraged. It's going to be an amazing journey together as we walk by the Spirit of God. Amen.